Welcome to the PDPW Podcast, brought to you by Professional Dairy Producers, Dairy's professional development organization. Even after all these years, I can still hear her in my head. Be kind. Your brother is three years younger than you. Please keep that in mind. Dinner's at six o'clock and you better be sitting at the table. One of the things I loved about my mother is not only did she say those words, but she was a demonstration of how we were to do things, how we were to live. I remember the words in my head uh, at every stage of my life. Uh, You can't leave the room until you give me a hug. Come sit on my lap. Nope. Pay the toll. You have to give me a hug. Pay the toll, you have to sit on my lap. Especially when I was angry. I remember several instances as a teenager where it was the last thing I wanted to do was to connect with my mother, but uh, I still remember that. This is the way that we did it. No matter how angry we were, come sit on my lap. No matter how angry or frustrated or tense things got, you had to pay the toll. (laughs) My, My father had a big influence on me as well. I mean, he really did. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. It was the way that we worked out in the shop with him. Never forget that. But it's not the snappy taglines that are really what's important. It's just that sound in my head, the voice of what's important in my head. This is the way that we do things, demonstrated by the people that influenced me the most. And we had a culture in our household. There was a culture. And it was a, was a very blessed culture. We, we, we weren't perfect in any way whatsoever, but we laughed a lot. We lived life to its fullest. We challenged each other. We stretched. I learned what was right and wrong. And, and because of their influence, I learned this is the way that it's done. And it's molded me. I'm 58 years old now, and I still have those foundation ideas, those, the, the way of seeing life because of those people of influence that I grew up with and we're so blessed to have. It's not any different in my business world, too. There are voices that I hear in my head that, that have molded the way that I work, the way that I work with others on a business level, the way that I connect. Dennis Cherry, one of my favorite influencers of all time in the business world, was a boss that I worked with for only four years. But the way that he approached his team building, the way that he approached how he interacted with me, the way that I saw me when I was around him still resonates in how I think and how I see. I remember one of his favorite taglines, anytime we were able to bring something to him and we brought things to him all the time. He created that, come talk to me, I'll brainstorm with you on anything. But I I can promise you the first thing that he said out of his mouth was, so how would you handle that? I love that phrase. To this day, I I love that phrase. So how would you handle that? So how would you handle that? And we gave him grief over it too because it was one of the reasons why I walked in the door, Dennis, (laughs) because if I knew how to handle it, I wouldn't be asking you. And he would usually laugh as he always did and then he would reframe it and give it to me again. He'd say things like, well, you're closer to the situation than I'm, Mike, and I'm sure you have an idea. So how would you handle it? Or he would emphasize, yeah, I've got an idea or two, but I would love to hear what your thought process is first. Never condescending, should say rarely condescending. I can't think of a time when he was. But always encouraging into how I saw things. And what it did was it taught me that I actually knew more than I thought I knew. 
because even if he was to give me the idea because he asked me first, I mean, I, and, and he said, yeah, that's what I would do. Let's try that. It reinforced my thinking. Oh my gosh, so many good things. But the fact is that I can still hear Dennis Cherry's voice in my head in how I approach business and how I approach people and how I do coaching. Just really great, you know. I've had negative influences as well. I mean, I've worked with lots of people that uh, I have living in my head. You know, as, as a speaker, you, you have the opportunity to be in front of a lot of folks and you get a lot of immediate gratification. People applauding, people come up afterwards saying, that was a lot of fun, it was very impactful, boy, you really helped me. And then there's that one lone voice that says, meh. <laughs> and I, if I'm not careful, I will ruminate on that one lone voice and go, no, I missed the mark. When in reality, you know, it might not have been that important, but uh, it's a voice is what I'm talking about. We have those voices in our heads and that's what I want to bring up today. That's what I really want to drive home. There's a phrase that I uh, heard in a podcast that I really, it just resonated with me because I think it is tremendously important when it comes to your role in having influence on your teams and your farms. With your families. You know, your, your, your farm is a team. The people that you work with are a team. And how we approach things, how I approach my job, my attitude towards what I'm, what I'm doing every day, my attitude and approach towards challenging situations is all tremendously impacted by how I think, how I see, and how I filter that information through the voices in my head. And you've created a lot of those voices being a person of influence, whether you're a boss or a team lead or even just a coworker or, or a family member. We have created those voices in our head that says this is the way that we do it. So here's the phrase. The phrase is, if this is all the voice I ever hear, it's all the voice I'm ever going to say. I love that. I'm going to say it one more time. If this is all the voice I ever hear, it's all the voice I'm ever going to say. I got that from uh, Bishop Robert Barron. I love his podcast. And what he was talking about was the voices that we surround ourselves with every day. You know, the things that we listen to, the things that we allow into our lives, the, the, the way we, we allow not just, uh, you know, television and movies and music, but also the people that are around us to influence us. And it was a reminder that all of these are voices that create a filter in which I see myself and I see the world. And I, I really found that to be powerful and I wanted to talk about that because that little phrase, if this is all the voice I ever hear, it's all the voice I'm ever going to say. And I have to tell you, I see it a lot in the teams that I have the pleasure of working with, the teams that I have the pleasure of coaching. I see it all the time. It's a culture of, in why is this particular team on fire? Why is this particular team so positive? Why is this particular team that when the tornadoes rise, their skill sets rise and they come together as a group as opposed to fall apart? And what I find is it's because of the voices in their head. It's those setting up on a daily basis, this is how we do it. And that voice comes from you. That major influence of voice comes from you. You know, we are the definition 
of that voice in the people that we work with. Now, I know I'm not responsible for your self-esteem, but I definitely know I influence it. And it's the same way with the filter that you approach your job. So I want you to soak in that. You are the definition of that voice when I work with you every single day. What type of voices have you allowed your team to live in, to play in, to, to use, you know, to create that this is how we do it-ness? Because if we can't hear those words spoken to us every day of positive reinforcement. And I'm not being Pollyanna about it as far as we always have to be positive and say positive things. I just really want to bring up that emphasis that you are an influencer on that voice in my head. Think about this. I was working with a team last week and they're trying to change this big battleship of an organization that they work with to more of a culture service centric approach. They're a very systematic organization. They love their systems and processes. But what happens is they've become very process oriented and not very people oriented and they don't have a balance. So we may check off the boxes, but we forget that we're dealing with people. I'll give you an example. Um, In this particular situation, they had a client that was freaking out because they were getting threatening letters from a government saying, we're going to take you to jail because of your taxes and, and I need help because I got a letter saying they're going to arrest me. So I reach out to this organization that is responsible for doing our paperwork and I, I, I let them know I'm freaking out to the point where you need to do something about this. And there was a lot of emotion and a lot of uh, panic and anger. And it was a disaster. I have to tell you it was a disaster because the people that were receiving that information were on it. And they reached out to the government issues and they found out where the problem was. They actually found out that it wasn't their fault, that it was actually the government's fault and it was mis placed information. And and long story short, they addressed the issue and it took about 48 to 72 hours and they got it resolved and everything was good and the government apologized and it was a disaster. And the client was so unhappy that they were going to leave. And they couldn't figure out why because they had worked so hard around the clock trying to find this problem. And what they failed to realize is that They were very good at their job, but they forgot that they got a note from somebody who was emotionally freaking out because they got a letter from the IRS saying, I'm coming to put you in jail. And they didn't address it. They never responded saying, we're on it. We're going to support you. We're going to, you know, here's here's a progress note. By the way, we've identified this. We're reaching out to this particular, you know, industry or we're reaching out to this particular department. They never let them know the guy was in he was in a void for days and sweating it out. And, and, you know, eventually things got calmed down. But the big lesson from that whole thing was that they handled the problem, but they never addressed the people issue. Big lesson. So you could see just by that example that We're very process-oriented, but we're not very people-oriented. So they're going out of their way to really sort of ignite and equip their people to understand the people side of the customer experience and not just the process side of doing their job well. You know, business will always be done with and through people, to people. 
business is always about people. How do we address that particular thing? So they're really trying to create this culture. And there's a phrase that they have. Customer service is not a moment. It's a habit. It's an, and it's a habit every day. Customer service is not a moment. Even though I appreciate what you just did was a great customer experience. They hold up, they hold up moments all the time saying, look, I did this good thing. And we go, yay. Now, if we could do that on a regular basis, now we're getting somewhere. And so they're, they're turning the ship slowly by, by not only upping their awareness of how we interact with people, but trying to change the culture of this is what we do every day. This is how we do it. Customer service is not a moment. It's a habit. We have to work out every day. It's like going to the gym every single day. Well, how do you do that? Well, it comes down to creating that language, but also knowing that as a leader and an influencer, I have to help push that that message every day in my language. I can't just roll it out and let it go. It dies on the vine. I have to go out of my way to find those opportunities on a, at least a weekly basis of when do we bring this up again? This is the way that we do it. Customer service, love that moment. Is it a habit? Are you thinking about it every day? Are you finding opportunities to go above and beyond? Are you looking for ways to bring joy and playfulness into your daily interactions with your teammates? Because we can't have two faces. We can't be really positive and and what a great experience with our customers and negative Nancys and we're killing each other in the, the back end. It doesn't happen that way. We You can't have two faces. So we are constantly trying to get into people's heads and be that voice. This is the way that we do it. How about you? How about your team? What's the voices like? Are you being that voice? So a couple of tips for you today on how to be more effective at being that voice. Number one, know that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. That when you're trying to create that lasting impression where people for years think about you like Dennis Cherry or your parents or, you know, those examples of people that have really molded the way that you see things, know that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So it's like working out in the gym. How are you bringing up these issues all of the time? How are you constantly saying things like, how would you handle that? You know, uh, well, what approach would you take? Or when it comes to the customer, be random and unexpected. That was random and unexpected. Wow, that was very unexpected. I appreciate you doing that. That was above and beyond. Awesome. Above and beyond the call of duty. That was fantastic. Man, that was playful. By the way, those are the three principles of positively outrageous service. Be random and unexpected. Be um, out of proportion to the circumstances. And be as much playful as you possibly can. Not that you can't do a lot of other things, but those three ideas are a great foundation for a customer service approach. So the first thing we do when we come into an organization is establish those principles. Everybody knows them. But then we have to ignite and equip the leaders to understand their role in becoming the voice in their head, which means I've got to look for those three things. I've got to bring them up all the time. I've got to celebrate them when they happen. And I've got to show them that those three things, when done every once in a while, is very good. That's a good customer service moment. But if we really want to become a customer service culture, then we have to make it a habit. So I'm bringing it up all the time. I'm challenging people all the time. And I'm reinforcing it all the time. 
When we do those things on a regular basis, it starts to become ingrained. And like Dennis Cherry, I could tell you exactly what you're going to say about the customer service experience. What are the voices that you want to install in your people's heads and hearts to create that culture of this is how we do it? And what are you going to do on purpose to go out of your way of becoming the voice in my head? Making strong teams and strong families. We'll talk to you soon. Our thanks to Michael Hoffman for today's message, and you can find more information about Michael at ignitingperformance.com.